<laughs> Good morning. I'd like to see and meet the individual who prayed for the snow. <laughs> because if you have that type of connection, I got some other requests. <laughs> I always like the Bible school hour. I think it's an important time as we study the scriptures. You know, there's an old saying that says you, you never get or you can't get too much of a good thing. Did you ever hear that? Well, Bible school is a good thing. And we just never get enough of the study of the Word of God. Our Bible lesson this morning, I'm going to mention the book of the Bible, and a thought's going to come to your mind. It seems like we always associate one thought with this book. I'll mention the book, and you'll say, uh-oh, I know what that, we, where he's going to go with that. But there's much more to it in that book than what we realize. It's the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi. Many times when you um, hear the word Malachi, you stop and think, oh, Malachi, yeah, tithing. Give to the Lord, well, a man, rob God, you know, and, and that's, that's in there. But there's a whole lot more in Malachi than tithing. There's a whole lot more in Malachi than giving money. And that's what I want to look at this morning then. I really believe that there are some temptations in life that affect a Christian more than anyone else. You have to realize that when you got saved, the devil lost you. And I thank God for that, amen? And he can never get you back. And I thank God for that. But he can make your life and your ministry ineffective. He said, I can't take him away from God, but I can make it so he's no use to God. I can make it so that he not only no use for God, I can make it he's a detrimental thing for God's work. And folks, nothing hurts God's work more than a backsliding Christian. You know, do you know that, speaking of that, I came across an interesting thought. Somebody challenged me to study this, and I found out they were right. The word backslidden is not in the Bible. Backslidden, backslider, and backsliding, but not backslidden. We say, oh, he's backslidden. That has the connotation, you got to a certain point and you're there. Well, the Bible calls it backsliding. You keep going and going until there's a reverse. And there's a big difference in that, you say. Uh, there. So you don't arrive at a certain point and stay there seems like you just keep going further and further and further away. But what's in Malachi today, I think, of a special teaching for uh, temptations for some Christians, believers in the Lord. Malachi chapter number one and verse one. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yeah, I love Jacob. I hated Esau and laid his mountain and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, 
but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus said the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the borders of the, the, the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. I want to speak to you on the thought of doing less than our best for God. Less than our best. When I had workers come to our house to do some work and whether to install windows or whatever it was, I didn't want them to put that in, do their work. Oh, that's good enough. I want them to do a good job, do their very, very best. And I think the Lord is addressing this to his people who had a tendency to do enough just to get by, but never giving the very, very best that they had to the Lord. And the temptation was to offer less than the best, a half-hearted service, you know. And I've seen some folks, I'm not necessarily here, but I've seen some of us come to church like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> and that's it. I'm here. When it's over, I'm done. I'm gone. But I'm here. Had lunch one time with a, with a fella in his house after Sunday morning service. He goes, I don't understand you preachers. I go to church. I give money. What else do you want me to do? Somehow we're missing the point of the whole Christian life and the whole Christian service. And, and it's, as we'll see in a moment here, it's like offering polluted bread up on the altar of God. Now, I could teach us in Bible school here on Sunday morning that I might not preach maybe Sunday morning and I'll have a different message just 11 o'clock than I did for 8. So if you folks are at 8, you didn't like that, well, give me another chance at 11. Okay, it's a whole different message. So. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and I just polluted bread on the altar. So that's terrible. Well, let's see what God has to say about this. Notice verse number 10. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kinder a fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, said the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. What is God saying here? Uh, have you ever heard the expression, a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord? Now, maybe some of you ushers, you kind of like that. You know, you're a doorkeeper and greet people when they come in, and that's good. But notice God was saying, they had them here in the Old Testament too, doorkeepers. And it says, who is there among you that would shut the door? So it's, in other words, you do something and your hand is out. I expect to get something in return. Yes, I'll do something, but what am I going to get out of it? Yes, I'll come to church, I'll join the church, I'll, uh, I'll serve and I'll do this and I'll do that, but what's in it for me? And instead of doing it out of a heart of gratitude and of service, the temptation was to say, I want something out of this myself. I admire pastors and I have done it myself and I know what it's like. 
who have such a burden to start a church that they will get their own job, work their own employment, and receive nothing of the church because their heart is in it. I was in the Bible college, preaching in a Bible college recently in another state, so that would eliminate New England Baptist College. <laughs> Don't want you thinking it's them, it wasn't. But in another state, college students, Bible college students, I met a senior young man, going to graduate that year. He'd been in school a number of years, I think it was four-year course, and had completed, and he's going to graduate. So I asked the obvious question, what are you going to do after graduation? His sad response to me was, well, I might go into the ministry if I can make a living out of it. I said, don't even try. Don't even try. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? And this is what God is complaining to them about. He says, says, you won't even close the door unless there's something in it for you. You wouldn't even start the fire on the altar, not because you love God and serve God. But what's in it for you? When we were building our, our school some years ago, we had a, an old fella. His name was Joe. Joe laid all the block in that building. He had arthritis, both hands up in years. His fingers weren't too straight because of the arthritis, but he said, I want to build the building. I watched him. He'd mix the mortar with the cement, the lime, the sand, and get it to the consistency he wanted. He would take his trowel and take some of that mortar and put it, then he'd pick up an eight-inch block. And he'd pick it up, and he'd set it down and go. And I knew he was hurting. Then he'd reach another trowel of the, of the mortar and put it again around the top of that block and pick up another block and pick it up. And he was hurting. He wasn't out doing it because he was getting paid for it. But he was doing it out of heart of love for God. Isn't that how we ought to come to church and worship God? Not out of duty and responsibility. Well, I'm here because I have to be and because we love the Lord and love the ministry and want to serve him. I know that sometimes we put things backwards, and I had done this too, and I was looking for Sunday school teachers or a deacon uh, to, to help in the church work, and, and, and my requirement was you ought to at least come to the services. <laughs> if you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, you ought to come to all the services. If you ought to be a deacon, you ought to come to all the services. Or any other church member, you ought to come to all the services. It's just natural, you know. But I had it backwards. And I would talk to a fellow and I would say, Bill, I've been praying about something, about maybe perhaps asking you to serve in our church and helping with the things that need to get done. And, and, and if you like, would, would you come to, I'll promise to come to all the services. And something I will. And they did promise. And as soon as their term of service was over, their attendance dropped off out of duty and responsibility. And then I learned that's backwards. 
we had a number of Sunday school teachers. We were very, very fortunate. We had a waiting list of people who wanted to teach Sunday school. I mean, we just had, and, and somebody would come to us and say, well, Brother Susan, uh, how, I'm going to be in so What do I have to do? I said, well, just stay faithful to the church. I want to come when, when God's time. and God, What was I looking for? I was looking for somebody that was already faithful and putting them in the position rather than trying to make someone faithful because they were in the position. You see the difference in that? And that's, and that's just, so it's like a bank hiring somebody. Now, if we hire you as a bank teller, do you promise uh, not to, to, to be honest? And do you promise not to steal and, and, and embezzle? No, I don't want that. I want to find somebody that's already honest, not stealing and not embezzling, and give them the position. And God is saying, you're doing, but you're doing for what you get out of it. And it's not always financial time. It's the pat on the back. We do something, we want to be recognized for it. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing. We have Sundays, Worker Sunday, we recognize our Sunday school teachers, our workers, the uh, fellows, the, the deacons that take care of the uh, landscape. And there's nothing wrong with that. But they don't do it for the recognition of man. What did Jesus say? If you do it to be seen of men, that's your reward. That's all you're going to get. There is nothing in glory uh, for you there. So they didn't serve the Lord with gladness but they served because of what they could get out of it and what was in it uh, for them. Now, folks, Christianity is bigger than making God's word common. Notice in verse 6 of chapter 1, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be, in a, fa- I be a father, where's mine honor? And if I be a master, where's my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priest that despise my name. And ye say, well, we have, we despise thy name. Hmm. Verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar. Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. Because of that, he says in verse 8, and if you offer the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord? You're giving the leftovers rather than the first fruits. You know, folks, there are some people in life that deserve our best. My wife deserves the best husband I can be to her. Our children deserve the best parents we can be to them. And God is saying here, you're just doing enough to get by. Now, I'm going to touch on something. It may ruffle some feathers, but probably be a year before I come back anyway, so you'll forget. <laughs> Why do we come to church dressed the way we do? I'm mad looking on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. It doesn't make any difference how I go to church. I go to worship God. It's my heart to make. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'll agree with that. But do we come before God the same way we go to Walmart? 
Do we have more respect for men if you're being interviewed for a job? Do you really go in looking sloppy? That's where however, this is a real me. If they don't want me, they probably wouldn't want you. Then you wonder why you're unemployed and can't get a job. But we gotta have enough respect that when you go to a place, we are appropriately prepared for that place. And it's the same thing. He says, it's just enough to get by. Just a, the leftovers. Now, I'm not saying you got to come with a $1,000 suit and you got, of course not. That's nonsense. But I would think that if I was meeting the president of the United States, I wouldn't go in my old Nike sneakers <laughs> and I wouldn't go with cutoffs and I wouldn't go with a sloppy T-shirt. Well, that's, he's no different than me. That's the attitude we have with God. He's no different. He said, where is my fear? Where is my reverence? And we have lost that today. Have we lost respect? People don't respect others. And it starts right here. You see, we can't make God's word common. Some make God's word, word seems all, God's work seem awful. <laughs> I was in church one time and just milling around, waiting for the service to begin. And a couple of ladies were talking out in the foyer. <laughs> and one lady said to the other lady, she says, yeah, I got to work the dungeon tonight. I go, huh? And listen to the conversation, the nursery. <laughs> go down there and change those stinky diapers and everything. I thought I was over that when my kids are all gone. And I, cause I, is, is that an attitude that we sometimes have in serving God? That is contemptible. Do you realize how many mothers have been saved in a church service because someone's caring for a baby? You know how it is. I mean, I, I, I love babies and, and all, but sometimes the devil just knows when to pinch them in a church service. <laughs> and they let out that wail. And I just, just, and I don't care what kind of preacher you are. It's pretty hard to out preach a baby sometimes. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know. So we have nurseries, so the mother can come, an unsaved mother can come and know her child is well taken care of, and 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 she could sit in the service undisturbed to hear the word of God, the spirit of God could speak to her heart. And God bless those nursery workers. God bless them for being down there. And I know we all like to be in the church service and hear the preaching. But we don't make the word of God contemptible, the work of God contemptible. Well, it's my, it's my time to clean the church. I'm going to go down and clean the church. I know we were on a church schedule for cleaning once a month, and we were around, and we cleaned the church. And you know what? I look forward to it. Uh, my wife did the polishing and the dusting. I did the vacuuming. I like running that thing, you know. And you know what I would do? I would run that thing across the platform and make sure the platform was all clean and, and I'd be praying for the preacher. I'd be praying for the choir because that's where they're going to be. Then I'd go down and I'd be sweeping in front of the uh, altar over here and I'd be praying for those that would come to the altar. Yes, sir. Then I'd go between uh, 
the pews. And I said, Lord, I don't know. Well, I kind of knew because everybody sits in the same place all the time anyway. You know? <laughs> and so, I've, I mean, I got, Lord, Lord, bless Brother So-and-so. Lord, he always sits here. Lord, Lord I don't know who's going to sit here. And I, but make it a ministry. Rather than just saying, oh, I've been to clean the church and i got to do that. That's what they were saying here. They were polluting the altar of God. They make work in the nursery, work in vacation Bible school. If you have a bus ministry or in a Sunday school or working with the youth or the music, they, they make it a burden rather than making it a blessing. And God's bringing this accusation. And every time God said something, they says, how? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, we're so quick on that, aren't we, sometimes? And God tells them quite plainly how he felt about them. People wearied the, wearied the Lord with their words when we degrade God's work. And sometimes it happens to all of us. Like I said, this is a Bible time. I could teach something like this that I would not normally preach on a Sunday night or a Sunday, or a Sunday morning service. Chapter 3, <coughs> verse 13. God says, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken? We have, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye have said, it is vain to serve God. For what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it for the pastor to spend a week praying, preparing a message for you? Praying that God would use his word to help you in your life. And we have the attitude, well, if I don't have anything better to do, I'll come to church. Otherwise, I don't care. This is what God is saying here. He said, your words have been stout against me. You said, it's vain. It doesn't make any difference. Does it make a difference to be faithful? Does it make a difference to serve the Lord with gladness? Does it make a difference in your life? And I guess we get to the point where it says it just doesn't matter. We were just in a meeting up in <clears throat> Rhode Island. I had a, a month-long conference. Some of you might have heard about that. And started a couple of churches. Started a new church in Providence, and one in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, and knocked on thousands of doors. Is it worth it? Had a good number of professions. <laughs> Tried to follow up on them and wrong address, bad address, an address that people didn't live at for years. Was it worth it to spend all that time and all that money? 
testimony of one of the pastors was questioning that. And <laughs> Tommy saw a man that in a meeting had made a profession of faith. And he went up to him and said, do you remember me? He says, yes, I remember you. He said, I got saved over there on the corner. He led me to the Lord. He said, but I've been working on Sundays. I just haven't been able to make it to church. Was it worth it to tell that person about Jesus? Was it worth it? Was it worth it to go to a run-down, rickety old house in, in Terryville, Connecticut, and, and see a young girl get saved who later on becomes a, a, a pastor's wife in Tennessee? Was it worth it? Was it worth it for a Sunday school teacher who had a special burden for a young boy in his class to invest his time in prayer and take him out on his birthday and to encourage him? He didn't know one end of the Bible from the other. But yet he stands before you today because of a Sunday school teacher who thought it was worth it. And I guess sometimes we get to thinking, we put all that money into the church, was it worth it? This is the attitude that they have had. If it pays to serve the Lord, then folks, you know what? It pays not to serve the Lord. <laughs> but the payments are on opposite sides. Has serving the Lord wearied you? Got you tired. It happens sometimes, I guess, in our flesh. It's weary to. But what does the Bible say our strength comes from? The Bible says what? The joy, you know the verse, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You're feeling weak. It's the end of the year. <laughs> 2018, we did a lot. Boy, I don't know. Was it worth it? Was it worth having all those services? Was it worth having the special meetings? Was it worth working with the choir? And the, you know, you know what it's like. And I, I, your music around here is top notch. And you know, you work for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on the choir, right? Then you sing the song and it's done. <laughs> Was it worth it? <laughs> the answer is yes, and a thousand times over, because you see, all our returns are not on this side of eternity. They're on the other side. You see, sometimes we degrade God's work, but we don't mean to, but we do, and offer polluted bread upon the altar, half-hearted service. I don't want that to be in 2019 for me, and maybe you don't either. But I want to serve the Lord with joy, I want to serve the Lord with gladness. I want to serve the Lord faithfully. I might not be talented as your, as your pastor. I certainly don't have the music ability as your music program is here. But I'll tell you one thing I can do. I can be happy for Jesus. I can be joyful for the Lord. And that whatever I do it, do it wholeheartedly for God. If you're an electrician, bless your heart, make sparks for God. <laughs> if you're a plumber, do your plumbing, do your soldering, or today gluing, I guess, <laughs> for God. 
If you're a carpenter, hit that nail for Jesus. But do it with the joy of the Lord in your life. I look at these verses. You were in verse 13. Your words have been stout against me, said the Lord. Because you were looking for something for yourself. I don't want to give so I can get. I want to give with the heart as God gave to me. Out of joy and thanksgiving. So maybe we just need a different attitude this year. Going into 2019. To serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord. You go down to that nursery and go, woohoo! Praise God, I'm working in the nursery. <laughs> I'm changing diapers for Jesus. <laughs> Serve the Lord with gladness. And even in the offering time, make it a happy time to give. I don't look at folks when they're giving their offering, but I can imagine some. They watch the plate, and everybody put the money in the plate, and a tear comes in their eye as it goes down the aisle. <laughs> Maybe they sing part of that song, when we asunder part, it gives us inward pain. <laughs> but serve the Lord with gladness. We had always taught our people that the offering time, the giving time, ought to be a happy time. And it was not unusual to see the offering plate you wouldn't see it, but you hear going, amen, glory to God. It's getting closer. I'm going to get to give to God. It's getting, I praise God, there it is. And the joy of the Lord in giving and serving. Let the joy of the Lord fill your heart. There's a lot in Malachi. There's a whole lot more. But it all did revolve, a lot of it did revolve around the giving to God and not robbing God of your life and your time and your talent. We know in the closing thought, we know that the Bible teaches a tithe. Now you want to argue, oh, wait, wait, that's Old Testament. You don't want to give 10%? I don't care. That's up to you and God. But I don't think it ought to be any less than it was in the Old Testament. So you want to give 12, 15, 20%? That's up to you. But have you ever thought Okay, I'm going to give a tithe, 10%, to the offering of the Lord. What about 10% of your time? What is it, 24 hours in a day? What's 10%? little under two and a half hours? Would that be right? Every day, give God two and a half hours of your time in service, passing out tracts, going on visitation, witnessing, soul winning, praying. Why not tithe your time? And give it all to the Lord. It's all his anyway. Serve the Lord with gladness. And as the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I'm glad I'm in the house of the Lord this morning. And I think you are too. Lord, thank you for the scriptures. Lord, they're not always pleasant. They don't always make us feel good. They convict us, too. And that's good. We need to know what's wrong in our lives. And Father, I ask you to help us serve you with joy and gladness. Not bad mouth, the service of God, 
Not badmouth the work of God. Not to offer polluted bread upon the altar, doing and giving our very best to God. For he is worthy of all. In Jesus' name.